What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Today's episode of the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. You know, Pella, they're day one, man. They're, they're, they're day one homies for the Nick Bob Podcast. They've been with me from day one. And, you know, not only is Pella a great company, they got great people there. I went to school with my guy Vince, just a great dude. They're the kind of people you want to do business with. And if you've pushed off a project with some windows or some doors, something like that, now is the time to turn that project into a reality because we all know a new set of windows, a new door can do a lot of things for you, can change the look, the vibe, the feeling of your home. It can add value to your home. Plus it can make your home more energy efficient. Pella checks all those boxes and then some Pella can provide window and door solutions to any home. And again, working with the people at Pella second to none. So hit them up online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And the Nick Bob podcast is powered by Runza. Runza has an app and you need to download that app because as a father of two little kids, anything that can increase speed and efficiency when it comes to eating, I'm all for it. And the app does that. I can order food on the app, pop into the restaurant. It's ready for me. It's hot. I'm in. I'm out. I'm now like a finalist for dad of the year or something like that. And it's in large part due to the Runza app and ordering is a breeze on the app. You can customize your order. You can get all your favorites just the way you want them. Plus, you can earn points for rewards in the app. You can score free food from Runza in the app. So go download the Runza app. You can get Runza, get rewards, then get more Runza all on the app. Runza makes it all better. All right, he's a columnist for the Lincoln Journal Star. He's also a radio host, 93.7 The Ticket, does a show every morning from 6 to 8 a.m. with Jake Sorensen, and he hosts a podcast on the new HuskerExtra.com with Sam McEwen, Sippin' Sam. He's a great listen, a great read, a great guy. He's Steve Sipple. What's up, Sip? Uh, not, <laughs> well, you covered it pretty well. That's kind of what's <laughs> up this time of year. What's up with you? Well, I mean, it, it's as I was as I was writing all that stuff out for you, it's impressive how versatile you are, writing, radio, podcasting. I guess that's – is that kind of the nature of the of the business now? Like you got to kind of be a, a multifaceted media person to to really flourish in today's today's world? I mean, either way, it's impressive. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if you have to. Um, some of that stuff just sort of happened organically. I mean, I, li- I like doing the show – uh, with Jake, yes. I always wanted to do a morning show, um, and and I could only do it from six to eight. And then so when they said six to eight, I, I couldn't really say no. And then the thing with with Sam, you know, it's they wanted to do that. The World Herald Journal Star, Lee Enterprises, uh, whichever one you want to pick, um, they wanted to do it, and uh, I like doing it with Sam. Yeah, uh, I enjoy it. Sam's Sam's really uh, like he's like you. He's a conversationalist. And he says things to me that are interesting, so I I just thought, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, I've I've really enjoyed it. I've watched, uh, I've I've listened to every episode. I'm, I'm I've even enjoyed the video. Watching you guys stand up behind the desk and 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 debate is fantastic. I love it. Well, that's nice of you to say. Sam would appreciate that too. Absolutely. I uh, okay. So you know, I only have you for 
for a little bit here uh, on on a Wednesday. We're taping this on a Wednesday morning. I got a bunch I want to hit on, so let's let's dive right in. Sip. I want to start with this. How are you? Like, how how do you combine the two worlds or two realities of the reality that you can make progress even in a loss, but <laughs> yeah. with also the reality that Nebraska needs to start winning football games. How are you combining those two realities? Well, the, that's, that's sort of what, what everybody's sort of wrestling with, and you asked it very well. Um, oh, a lot of that is tied to the university leadership. I think the answer has to be in somewhat tied to the chancellor, Ronnie Green, and the president, Ted Carter, and the athletic director, Trev Alberts and what their feelings about that question are. Um, I mean, it doesn't matter what we think. Um, it matter, well, it matters a little what we think. It, ma- it does matter what fans think. Sure. Um, it matters. They're stakeholders. And, but it really matters what those guys think. It seems to me, I mean, you see Scott going off the field, and I think twice now he's been greeted by uh, Chancellor Green and embraced that that seems to be show support i know on social media ted carter has been supportive act i mean outwardly supportive that i mean i think that's telling as far as you know myself measuring progress i mean i like i said this morning on the show whether nebraska wins or loses against michigan as long as they play michigan close and it's a you know, tough, hard fought game. I wouldn't say there's not progress. How could you say there's not progress? I mean, the last time they played them, it was a last time the teams met in 18, it was a gross mismatch. I mean, it was really, it was really sort of pathetic to watch. And, and now when nobody anticipates that sort of game, so isn't that progress? Right. I mean, haven't they, I mean, isn't it progress that we're having this conversation about what we what I regard anyway is a pick 'em game, and it's Nebraska versus the ninth-ranked team in the country. I mean, doesn't that? I mean, you can overthink it a little bit, uh, but I get it. They're, Nebraska's also three and three, and if they lose, they're three and four. So is that progress? I, <laughs> I, I, I really, I really come down, but I really pretty come. I, I come down pretty hard on the side of what I see. Yep, and and what I see is just clear progress I'm 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 with you and you know because it is interesting where like I'm not saying and I think you'd agree with me I don't this isn't a roster that's loaded with NFL dudes you know but I I think this is the first time in the frost era where I'm not worried about on Saturday night or for the rest of the season moving forward being outclassed from a physical standpoint and as you pointed out, that matters. Like, there's a big checklist of what you got to go through when building or rebuilding a program. And one of those things on that checklist is being physically there. And to me, you can resoundingly now, are there other things, special teams, details, stuff like that, that are still unchecked? Yes. But one of the big check marks that is arguably the biggest, because if this if, if this doesn't get checked off of being physically there as a football team, it doesn't really matter what Every, everything else kind of is rendered irrelevant, but I think that matters. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, and I, I've been fairly vocal about that whole discussion of Nebraska, not having um, necessarily first round talent or second round talent, but you're, but I, 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 I mean, I've 
altered my thought on that at this point halfway through the season. I'm not I'm not saying that Nebraska has a first round pick or a second round pick, but they have NFL talent. And it's and and, and you gotta always remember what we're talking about here. You can look at it through the prism of this coming draft and or you could look at it through the prism of upcoming drafts, sure. future drafts. Now, this upcoming draft, no, I don't see a first rounder on the roster or a second rounder. I don't think so. Um, but I see some NFL players yeah. that if they want to, if they want to, well, I mean, this, there's some super seniors that I think are definitely NFL players, JoJo and Dante Williams. Um, there might even be a couple more. I mean, the tight ends, if they're going to go, I think they can play in the NFL. I think most people would agree with that. So there are, I, yeah, Scott has done a great job of fortifying the roster and getting it to look like it should and getting it to a point where when they play Michigan, the ninth ranked team in the country, they're not going to look outmatched. I mean, it's, it's not, they don't look outmatched now. They, they got some guys, some serious dudes. Right. I mean, those tight ends are serious. I mean, that when you see them warming up, uh, you know, he gets your attention. But it's not just them. There's a lot of guys on that team that get your attention and warm ups, and then then are are doing it during regulation time too. Let, let me. I want to go back to something I kind of touched on with the first question for you. Just looking at kind of like a a bigger, broader aspect. Like, how how do you? It's so interesting with with this program and the and the way we cover it and the way we talk about it, it, in the sense of like how do you balance taking a game for what it is? Like, hey, this is just individual game. We analyze the game. We move on to the next game, versus the big picture referendum or conversation oh, on Frost. Because yeah. I think that's something that's always so fascinating to me. It's sip. We're living in this world where it's almost like we hold a hold a town hall meeting and vote on whether we all think the Frost era will work or not after every game. <laughs> and then after we hold that vote, we then label the next game as the biggest game in the right. Frost era. And I get it, but man, is that a brutal world to live in. Yeah, I mean, I it is. I And I can't tell if that's more of a media thing or a hardcore fan thing. It feels like ma- the media core here is gigantic, so... Sometimes I get misled into thinking that the media way of thinking is the that's the way the fan base at large is thinking, and I doubt it. Um, maybe it is, but you're right. Now, some of that Nick those year four, I mean, of Frost tenure. Yes, if it, I mean, some of it is that, or a lot of it is. Yeah, that. I'm not saying it's not all warranted. I mean, you right. have th- three straight losing seasons. Some of this is a function of that. Yeah, I, yeah. Well. I would say this, first of all, that's a very, I mean, it's really, it's really um, the word I'm looking for. It's tiresome to yes. live that way. It's not probably all that healthy to live that way. Um, and it's not particularly fun, which, which gets me to last week. Now last week felt fun for the fans. I think the fans had a great time. You know, they won 52 to seven or whatever it was. Um, 54 was it 54 52 yeah right that that felt good yes now what what i would say about the michigan game is is it really struck me yesterday this game if nebraska would win would really change the conversation in a more pleasant to a more pleasant hmm, yeah put it in pleasant light it would it would change Mm -hmm. the conversation 
<laughs> you know, unless then if they lose to Minnesota, then we're back to back to the norm. But yeah, I'm with you. It gets a little old, to be honest. Right. Uh, and I now, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, you can deal with that. But does it affect the program? You know, does that weight affect the program? It probably affects the head coach. And it probably affects some people. Um, now, the one other thing, though, the one other thing I'd add to the conversation is Ron Brown told me this once. I mean, those fans are heavily invested, and that's what you want. You don't mm-hmm. want, you know, mm-hmm. certain, you certainly don't, if the alternative is indifference, you don't want that. Yeah. No, there's no question. I mean, I, I've always said you'd much rather have. It's always interesting how much the people want to sometimes want to point to the fans as like you're you're the you're the reason that's holding this program back or no, taking it down. No. It's like, man, okay, what do you trust me? I have been to Kansas football games. You don't want that, okay? <laughs> you 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 don't want a, a a fourth full stadium where people could give a rip if you lose or win or whatever. Like you don't want that. So be careful. Be careful going there. Right. I totally agree. I. I think the investment is gigantic. Um, it's just there's a there's just it's just always sort of a fine line, um, and I and a lot of it's like let's face it, some of it's just purely media driven. You know, I mean, it's really intense. It's a really intense media market. Um, so some of it's that. You just hope that the people involved keep it in perspective. That Scott Frost can keep it in perspective. Sure. sure. The Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors and I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go onto Pella's website right now, you look at it and how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors by Pella. Won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. They got triple pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. You know, speaking of the fans, I wanted to kind of throw this at you too. You know, the atmosphere last Saturday night was was really good. And It'll likely be rocking again this Saturday night with Michigan in town and a night game. And it is enormous that Memorial Stadium get to be a hornet's nest this season. And I think the defense has a lot to do with with what you saw on Saturday night and the potential of what you're going to see in terms of an atmosphere moving forward because you know sip a good defense gives you some confidence as a fan if there's one thing i think we all can can pencil in right now is that the defense is pretty good like everyone feels like when they go to watch this team play like the defense you, you kind of know what you're going to get out of that side of the ball and then when you think about it from a home field it, it standpoint you know defense is kind of the easiest thing to cheer for because it's the side of the ball where you bring noise and all those sorts of things because you look at Michigan, Purdue, Ohio State, Iowa, they're all coming to Memorial Stadium. The crowd could play a big factor in how this season unfolds. No doubt about it. And and yeah, what defense is is largely emotion. I mean, it's obviously there's tactical schematic elements to it. There always is, especially at this level, but a lot of it just boils down to 
to emotion. And so it's reciprocal. I mean, I think that crowd helps the defense and the defense helps the crowd. I mean, for sure it gets the crowd going and there's no doubt about that. And then, then, then in turn that whips that defense up. So yeah, there's a great relationship there. Um, and it, and that will, that's not going away. Right. They're healthy. That's another thing that's interesting. Nebraska is a healthy team going into, uh, Michigan and that's big halfway Huge. through the, just across the halfway point. It's probably another indicator of progress, by the way, that you're able to get this far in good health. And I would also add to that though, that as far as the crowd goes and enthusiasm for this team, I think a lot of it is Adrian too. I yeah. think a lot, I think people know now at this point that he's sort of in the midst of a resurgence and he's an exciting player. I mean, he's, he's fun to watch. I, I hope people understand that, especially if these are, if this is the latter stages of his career here to enjoy the hell out of number two, because that's, he's a special talent. Um, I love watching him run the option. It reminds me of the old days. I don't mind saying that. Me too. He would have, he would have worked running that uh, triple option. He would have worked running the triple option back in the day. Um, in fact, I talked to Osborne about that this week. He said, yeah, there's no doubt about that. Well, he's a huge, Osborne's a huge Adrian fan. That's great. Um, and so I think, I think that element too is exciting for the fans that they have that kind of quarterback. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think Scott Shanley one time told me, put it real simple. He said, he said, you know, a quarterback, he was more talking from a player standpoint. He goes, your quarterback either gives you hope or gives you despair. And Adrian's a guy that gives you hope. And so there's a lot, you know, whether it's the defense, getting the crowd and the fans excited and Adrian as well is, is a part of that. And I wanted to get, I, I wanted to talk about Adrian because I think you, you and I have been pretty consistent in being Martinez supporters, even, even through some of the struggles and, and even the benching last year, he was a guy that I, I never gave up on. I just, I don't know. I have, I, I know, I know a talented player when I see it and he's got tons of talent. Do you, what do you attribute this kind of resurgence to though? Is it, is it just him? Like, is he just playing better? Is he in a better frame of mind? Is he making better decisions, running better, all that? Or is it Ture and Manning and Betts and Allen and having, finally having some weapons around him that he can kind of distribute the ball to? What do you, what do you attribute it to? I think it's mostly the latter, but you have to acknowledge there's no doubt in my mind um, that Adrian is in a great place as just a person. I mean, he's, he's, he's dealt with a lot of ups and downs here and he understands it. He's come to understand what's going on and he's very, he, he can handle this place. Um, and he's, he's probably handling it a little bit better now. And he's just in a great frame of mind. He's very confident. He knows exactly what has to happen. He knows exactly how he wants to go about it. But I do think what you're saying is, is critical in this. Because I've always said with Adrian, if you put him behind a very good offensive line with a lot of weapons, the conversation about him would be much different. So now they do. Yeah, they absolutely have weapons. Um, and yeah, ma- and mainly we're talking about receivers and right. tied. But I'll tell you what, I mean, I, I, like, I like that combo at running back, you know, it's very early stages. If it's, if, if Jack has, yeah, it's going to be that guy, but I like Ramir Johnson. So yeah, it's, I think it's a combo. I, I um, but I, I do think a lot of it has to do with just frame of mind and where his place in all this, he feels very comfortable with it. But do you feel confident one way or the other that, that Adrian could be back next year? 
you have any feel on that? Uh, no, I don't have a great feel on it. I, I mean, some of it, I know this, some of it will have to do with draft stock yep. and going into the season as much as I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I regard Adrian. I mean, I, yeah, I've always been on the Adrian train, but they, I, you know, going in, I didn't think he was draftable. Um, and that's, that gets to be sort of a tricky discussion. Um, it's accuracy I and mean, it's all about accuracy. He, now he's completing 66.7% of his passes, which is good. Um, I still wonder about if he has NFL level accuracy, that kind of arm, uh, you know, there's a, sometimes there's a difference between a, a great, I mean, you can be a great college quarterback yes. and, and not be a NFL guy. So I don't know how that's all going to work out. Right. And that's a huge part of the discussion. Uh, a huge part of the discussion is it's a, it's not a very good draft class for quarterbacks. That's big. So I don't know. I that, that, that will, that conversation will get more intense, I suppose, um, as the season goes, and especially if Nebraska is playing at a high level and winning at a high level. Couldn't you see, though, I mean, I, I could see how an NFL team could talk themselves into Adrian. Like, you know, on great, uh, great athletic ability. You could also sit there. Couldn't you see a, a war room close your eyes and be like, listen, for most of his career, he had no receivers, zero. I'm talking zero receivers to throw it to. When he did have some semblance of wide receivers, he his arm looked decent. You, you, he's a guy that if you interviewed him, like if you sat down with him face-to-face and talked to him, he would he would blow teams away in terms of a one-on-one interview right like I I think he I could just see him being a guy that could I don't know NFL teams could kind of fall in love with oh for sure um now I I will overthink about everything as you know but but where I come down on it is pretty simple if I'm an NFL team what you have to do with Adrian you do all that but I think the critical part of the discussion is you got to sit down with the video with the film game film practice film and, and really watch his throws. I mean, you gotta, I think you gotta assess accuracy and you can assess it in all the, all the different throws he's had to make. And there's times where, I mean, the, the 38 yard touchdown pass to Teray late in the game the other night was a, a beautiful throw. I mean, it's beautiful. It was perfect. Um, that throw, he completed a deep cross. I think it was a deep crossing route to Manning up the field yep. a little earlier. And it was beautiful, beautiful. I mean, he had time and he, he looked so good delivering it. Um, but you know, there's been other times where he, he overthrew a six, six guy. So sometimes I, I don't know. I no, I know what you're I saying. I see what you're saying, but this to me is an accuracy passing accuracy discussion. And if you can, if you can look at his film and assess that and then get him in, um, you know, when, when they do their testing and all that, and if, and if he shows to be accurate, Oh yeah, there's a lot, there's so much on the plus side there that he would be tempting. You, you brought up Jacques Yant and I want to talk about him and I want to, I want to quick tell a, a quick story to you. Um, so when I was at, when I was at Creighton, Coach Altman was always on me about my body. Like, ball, oh, really? ball, you need to get stronger. You need to commit to the weight room. You got to change your body. It was all it was all over me about it. I, I never really changed my body. My junior year, eh, you know, I was kind of one of those guys. I was like, Coach, man, I'm just, I'm a three-point shooter. Like, I'm, I'm going to be, like, what do I need to get jacked for? You know what I mean? Like, I was kind of like, what are we talking about, right? But it, it, I, did, I didn't really change my body my junior year. And then I finally made a commitment in the spring and summer heading into my senior year. 
I've never worked harder in my life in the weight room. I've never been more committed in my life to nutrition, all that stuff. And I got my, I, I got down to 5% body fat. My max bench went way up like, and, and sip, it changed my relationship with Dana Altman. Like the, the trajectory of, of me and coach Altman's relationship completely changed. He was all in on me from that off season on, I'm talking, I was his guy from that point on. And I say that to bring up Yant in that I think sometimes the ultimate indicator of how all in you are on the team is your body. Because, Sip, a lot of those decisions get made outside of practice and when you're away from the from the practice facility, right? Like, And I wonder if that's what's kind of happened with Yant. Like, Frost kind of said as much. Had a good spring, came back way overweight. Frost was upset about it. Had to get said. Listen, you got to get back into shape. And now that he's back into shape, boom, he's playing. Is is that how you see it? Well, yeah. I mean, that's an interesting story you just told about Altman and yourself. I look at as you're talking. The way I look at it is pretty simple. I a coach's job, and I always think this way about coaches. It, their job is to maximize. First of all, maximize the team, right? I mean, you got to you got to get all you can out of that group, and then you know you also max. You want to maximize the potential of each individual, so they, you know, one feeds into the other. Obviously, now, now if you have a player that is actively working against what you think is ma- could maximize your team, I could see why. For instance, I could see why Altman's relationship with you changed once you once you sort of did what he wanted you to do right right because i think he's not thinking of it in a personal way he's thinking of maximizing maximizing the team and maximizing your potential and he felt that's what needed to be done with yant yeah i mean i thought about the yant situation from a coach's standpoint or from a teammate standpoint if when and what I'm talking about is when he showed up for preseason camp, 25 pounds over, it would have been immensely disappointing to me. I mean, mm-hmm. I, as a teammate or a coach, because you count on guys. And then when they show they're not all in or they're not, they may, maybe what that would tell me is he wasn't invested. And that, and that, and I'd almost take it personally, you know, like, wow, I mean, I, don't you want to do this? I mean, I mean, come on, man, we need, we need guys like you. And you're not in shape and it's going to take you weeks now to get in shape. I mean, I know I'm not, I wasn't an athlete like you, but I know when I was an athlete, it always, I had a hard time dealing with people that I didn't think were as invested as I was. Right. It, 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 it I always kind of took it personally. Um, and, I, and yeah, and some guys just, I mean, maybe Gant just didn't know how good he was or how much maybe they would, would count on i don't know why does a guy show up 30 pounds overweight for preseason camp probably a little immaturity there uh, but i mean he's he's got a lot of talent i mean i'm kind of like frost though i don't let's see i mean they're yeah, gonna play some sure, a, lot, right. a lot tougher defenses than than northwestern i liked him in the spring yep. he's interesting he's very intriguing to me for obvious reasons one less obvious reason, I guess, is he got really good feet for a big dude, and that's mm-hmm. that's the first thing you look for. I mean, he does move well, and he's he he he's very natural. You know, I always look at running backs. You can always kind of tell a natural running back, a guy who's kind of put on earth to be a running back. He looks like that to me. He he just knows the movements and 
Um, he's, he's very natural that way. The Nick Bob podcast is powered by Runza. I got to talk to you guys about something. The Eagles ran Philly special in Super Bowl 52, right? Remember that trick play? It was incredible. It was amazing. Well, Runza has huddled up and they got their own version of Philly special. How about a Philly style Runza? Oh man. For a limited time only. You can get a Philly style Runza. Everything you love about a Philly combined with everything you love about a Runza wrapped up into one. So if you got a hunger as big as the Sixers center Joel Embiid, you need the Philly style Runza. You got green peppers, grilled onions, steak seasoning, Swiss cheese, and of course, juicy, delicious, succulent steak all wrapped into a Runza. Oh, my goodness. The combination of steak and Runza. I mean, that's kind of like the combination of Adrian Martinez and Samari Torre. It's just fantastic. So get your Philly game right. Get your Philly-style Runza game right. Again, this is for a limited time only. So head out to Runza today and get a Philly-style Runza. Runza makes it all better. Sip, this is just this is just me, but like, Playing time or kind of depth chart discussions, I usually, not always, but I usually kind of stay out of them just because, you know, we don't see practice. It's easy for us to sit here and say, play that guy, put that guy in the field. Well, what if that guy is bad in practice and doesn't know the playbook, right? Like for me, 99% of the time, I'm going to give coaches the benefit of the doubt on playing time discussions. But it is interesting if you stop six games in and look at what the depth chart and how it's moved, it, you know, like Ramir Johnson went from fourth string to now the starter. Yant, I mean, he he was maybe the fifth or sixth string guy to start the year. And, I mean, 13 carries, 127 yards against Northwestern, some of the best runs from a Nebraska running back you've seen in a while. You mm-hmm. then go to the bench or, the you know, your backups in the offensive line. You, you know, you bring into Ellie and Prasca. The offensive line looks different immediately. Uh Better late than never, but I just find it interesting. I don't know if I really have a question in there, but it's just I, yeah, I've, no, I found I it, it interesting. It can't you just? I mean, I, and I know I'm always the great coach defender, and I do it because <laughs> of what you said, though. Some of it I do it because of I just trust that they're around it all the time, and they see things that we don't see, so we can make as a media core and a fan base these big leaps, you know where. You know, why isn't Yant playing? Well, we found out why Yant wasn't playing. It was a really good reason, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I heard, I didn't hear it a lot, but I hear people say, why, where is, where's Jacquez Yant? Well, I don't know, but well, he should be playing. Oh, but we didn't know he was 25 pounds overweight. Interesting. Um, you can spin it this way too, if you're, if you're looking to defend the coaches. I mean, they've determined, for instance, that Xavier Betts maybe wasn't ready fully ready early in the season but maybe they determined that yes now he's ready and now he'll go out on the field and not run a wrong route and make the team look bad and make himself look bad I mean in a sense they're looking out for a player I think I mean looking out for their team number one but you could look at it like they're looking out for the whole enterprise we don't want to put a guy out there that's not ready to run the whole playbook we don't want to put a guy out there who might not be ready for the whole just the whole shebang, mm-hmm. you know, maybe just not emotionally and mentally ready for all this. Cause it's pretty big. The magnitude's pretty big. And maybe they determined, okay, we're bringing them along. We'll bring them along. Maybe they have a set plan and okay, now he's ready. And now Xavier Betts, 
looks ready to become a star. But I, but who knows what would have happened if they rushed him into it? You know, I don't. I, I'm sure you can think of cases of guys that were rushed in and never really recovered. Totally. So, so, I, I don't know. You can you can easily spin that conversation in a positive. Totally way. agree. Like 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 Scott said about Prohaska, you don't you don't wake up on Monday and decide to run a marathon on Saturday. There's a lot of preparation. You got it. There's a process involved to get ready. And that process maybe led to to this. I mean, it's possible that he wasn't wasn't ready in August. Right. You know, when they were competing for right. jobs, right. For You know, when they were when they were in the competition in August. My guess is Prohaska made a lot of gains from August fifth to now, and maybe a lot of the, maybe the biggest gains occurred, you know, from September one to this this point. A couple more things right here, Sip. Uh, bigger surprise to you so far the lack of progress on special teams or the level of progress made on defense and the level the black shirts are playing at? Yeah, I would say the, the former, um, the defense because of, okay, think back, Nick, when those super seniors in the winter, you know, the, the big news over January, yep. I, January and February, when those super seniors started coming back, what did you think? You know, what goes through your mind when, when Honus comes back and the w- Williams and Dismuke and Ben Stilley and Jojo, when those guys were coming back, it, what clicked in my mind was, oh man, they must believe in what's going on on that side of the ball. There must be a culture there that's, I, I know people hate that word, but I don't want to use it, that, that, that they believe in because they would not come back if that wasn't the case. They could have, there's, you know, they just wouldn't have. Um, so I'm not really totally surprised by, by what I'm seeing on defense. I don't know. I mean, what I make of what's going on special teams is I think they did put a high, and I'm not just speaking off the cuff on this. It's not like I don't talk to people close to the program. I think they've put a a ton of energy into it. And I've in fact heard that they're schematically, they're sound, Mm -hmm. that they, that they're, and they're, and they're doing the right things, but the specialists, (laughs) the specialists have struggled. Yep. I mean, that, 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 the framework's good The snap. I mean, in, in terms of place kicker, you know, the framework's good. The snap's good. The, the hold's good. Now they get, did get blown up at Oklahoma, putting alignment in there. Uh, um, number 57 who got blown up and led to a block, but generally speaking, they're, they're sound, but their specialists have let them down at a high level punter, place kicker, return man. So I, you just hope, okay, so what's going to happen on Saturday that didn't happen this past Saturday is there's going to be a lot of stress. Yep. And, and, you know, the place kicker didn't have any stress on Saturday night. The punter didn't have any stress on Saturday night. The return meant really not – there wasn't just much, there wasn't much stress on those guys. My guess is there's going to be quite a bit of stress. Now, what will that look like? I don't know. I'll tell you one thing, though. If you look at the, the stats in the – in the special teams columns for these teams, it would be hard to pick Nebraska. Yeah. Um, Michigan's strong in all the relevant special teams categories, strong top 25, most of them. And Nebraska's not in the top 90, most of them. Right. I mean, that's the one I think you're, I feel like Nebraska's got an advantage at quarterback on Saturday. I think their defense is going to be up to the challenge. 
I think the one hesitancy is what we're pointing out, the special teams element. Sip, we've watched a million kind of I think I think we're heading towards a Big Ten black and blue grinder kind of a game. And oftentimes special teams loom really large oh, yeah, in those yeah. games. You know? Yeah, yeah Michigan's got a, a very solid place kicker. I'm not sure about their punter, but Harbaugh's teams are usually pretty good that way. Um, so that's, oh yeah, that's something to definitely watch. And it's frankly, it's something to consider when you're trying to prick, pick the game. Good chat here on this sip. Um, we, uh, columnists always got to provide perspective. So here we go, sip. Don't let me down here. Um, mm-hmm. so you know, Nebraska's sitting at three and three. I mean, I do think we, you could talk yourself into this team could be five and one, hell they could even be six and oh, but they're three and three taking everything into account, kind of hitting pause right now before these final six games. How do you frame the rest of the season and and what you want to see and what you would deem as quote-unquote success? I get that that's a subjective term. How you define it may be different than how Sam McEwen d- defines it. But how, how do you kind of size it up and frame it up now as we head into October and the final six games of the season here? Oh, I mean, one easy way to do it is – is I believe what we see is a team good enough to play in a bowl game uh, and probably a, a top 25 team. And he asked a good question because it does go back to something that we've talked about in this podcast. And that is, this is to me about Frost maximizing this roster and not letting the special teams drag it back and not letting managing the special teams issues and managing the, offensive line issues don't let those issues drag the team back that's what if you're paid a lot of money to manage potholes you know and every coach has to do it um virtually every coach in the country has to do it and i i i don't know i haven't watched alabama that closely but i imagine they're not perfect so so you gotta he's got to do that. If it doesn't make a bowl game, I would say it's a, it's a, it's a bad coaching job. I mean, I don't, I hate, I don't know any way way to put it, any other way to put it. You got, this team is good enough to play in a bowl game, get to six wins. Come on. That should, should be a minimum, should be a minimum expectation. And my guess is Scott Frost would wholeheartedly agree with that. I mean, he, he, he self-assesses like we all do. He's got a good team. I think, I think it's clear that that Illinois game really bothered him. He, he made mention of that the other night. He And I'm sure it really bothered him because Nebraska was better than Illinois. And uh, when you lose to a team that you're better than, that's pretty much on the coach. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. so that, I mean, it's not quite that simple, but that's the way I look at it. His job is to maximize if they don't get, if they don't go to a bowl game and, and at least sniff the top twenty five, he hasn't he hasn't maximized. Steve Sipple, Lincoln Journal Star, HuskerExtra.com, ninety three seven the ticket. Make sure you read and listen to the man. Sip, I'm a huge fan. You know that. I know you're super busy. I really, really, sincerely appreciate your time and thank you, my friend. Oh, well, thank you. It's always fun to be on. I know a lot of people listen, so I really appreciate you having me on. You got it, Sip. Thanks, man. A Huda Media Production.